Yes, you're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, December the 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and since this is a Rumination Thursday, we have with us Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I got in 15 seconds ago because of an accident on Highway 270. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I've got to do a promo after the program, but that's okay. (laughs) And I think this is our last broadcast for Rumination Thursday this year. Oh, my goodness. Somebody said there's some kind of holiday coming up. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Christmas, huh? Oh, that's right. Yes. And so... (laughs) Monday will be my last day live because beginning Tuesday they're going to have Christmas music all the way to Epiphany, which is in January the 6th, 2020. So we'll be back on January the 7th with Mark Smith uh, with a hymn, God willing. So So, they're going all the way to January 6th, second Christmas day. Yes, yes. Do you ever celebrate the 12 days of Christmas? <laughs> used to. We used to try and keep our, our tree up all up for the 12 days, and our neighbors would come and ask us, why Why is your tree still up? Christmas is over. Oh. <laughs> then you'd have to explain to them the 12 days of Christmas. That's a good point. Yeah, well... They never ask us. We, we never take it down because it's too much work taking it up and down. So we just leave it up the whole year. <laughs> they don't okay. ask us anymore. <laughs> okay. What did you find for us today, uh, being Christmas and such? Oh, well, I thought we'd take a look at the uh, Christmas story from uh, Luke chapter 2, the birth of Christ. And it's kind of interesting when you when you look at it. I mean, three three points. I, I there's many points. The three that that we need to take a look at is the census of Caesar Augustus, the uh, shepherds, and the angels came and, and proclaimed peace to all the earth. Okay, so uh, what we're saying is Joseph and Mary had gone to Bethlehem to be taxed. Quirinius was a government governor of that time, but they're saying that the tax didn't occur till 10 years later? Right. It's all how you look at the, the census being taken. Uh, historians are, are looking at one 10 years after the birth of, of Christ or Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. But if you, if you went on the basis of what secular historians went by, uh, you'd, you'd be backed up to 24 B.C. Uh, Caesar was quite a, a census taker. Um, there's records of his taking census in the Roman world from uh, 24 B.C. all the way up to 10 A.D. during his, his reign. So, you know, for them to pick one up later and say that's when it really happened is... Uh, kind of not paying attention to 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 the history of census taken during that time 
Well, this is a good example of the kind of apologetics that I appreciate. I'm often critical of evidential apologetics that tries to give evidence to unbelievers of what we believe. I don't think that's possible. But then there's historical apologetics, and you just gave a good example of this, that uh, historians have found out that uh, census-taking was done more than once. What was the purpose why they were doing it so often? (laughs) You ever hear that old saying, show me the money? They wanted to find the, yeah, they wanted to find who owned what and uh, how much tax they could collect on your property and and other sort of things. Um, Caesar Augustus was really good at uh, wanting the census taken so that he could collect taxes for the roads, for the military, for the government, you know. Now, what was this deal where they had to go back to their birthplace? Why didn't they just do a census where the people were already living? Or did they well, ever if do that? Well, if you were a Gentile, you probably did it in the city where you were at and just went ahead and registered. Oh, okay. But, but in the Jewish system, you went back to your origin of of uh, birth, of where you're tribe came from or your lineage came from so you had to go back to your original city as, as a jew which meant mary and joseph were at the house of what yes david now the reason we're doing this is uh, because of the immorality in this country and the leaning toward the left people are trying to also make the scriptures ridiculous from a uh, reasonable point of view and they're trying to do that by changing history and saying there was no census at the time of Joseph and Mary, and so this was just kind of made up. And it is really an attack against God's Word. And that's unfortunate that during the Christmas season, we have people who are uh, attacking God's Word. Did you find something else? You mentioned something about shepherds. Right. Well, before we move on, oh, yeah, I, think the, I think the term we call that, what, history revisionist? Yes. You know, where they try to make history fit to their own little schemes that are out there. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of people who no longer like it to refer to as Columbus Day because... And uh, I, yeah. Right. And one of the other points I wanted to make with, with Caesar is... Isn't it wonderful how God used a, a pagan for uh, setting it up so that the birth was going to occur in Bethlehem? Yes. We, we have other examples in the Bible, don't we, of how God used pagans? Oh, my. Well, the whole uh, taking of Israel into Babylonian captivity uh, under uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And they're coming out of captivity. That's right. That's right. So they could go back and uh, restore the temple. Yeah, we had done a Bible study, Sunday school lesson coming up uh, for uh, issues, etc. And Concordia Publishing House, it's on Jeremiah. Uh, it was last Sunday about how God told Jeremiah to tell the folks in the Babylonian captivity that they should build houses there, get married, not decrease their numbers, because he was going to keep them there for 70 years, and then they were going to return. Right. 
And one final point on this this whole census thing yes. is uh, they try to say that there was none at the time of the birth of Christ. And reality is probably uh, one of the censuses a few years earlier was decreed by Caesar and then went out, and you had poor communication services. It's not like we had Twitter or the Internet or right. cell phones that we could communicate quickly on. Yes, I can understand that. So what we're saying is that proper apologetics, where they were looking at the history outside of the Bible, there was a census taken at that time when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. And therefore, those who are saying that there was only one census and it was at a different time are kind of ignorant of the history of that day where there were a number of censuses taken in order that more taxes could be uh, delivered to the leader. Right, and and an excellent book I would point people to on the history of Augustus is is a book called Augustus by Anthony uh, Everett. It was published back in 2006, and it's got a good detailed history of his. his. But moving on to to another point. Yes. When you take a look at the shepherds, who does... does, God come and, and tell the good news uh, that that the Savior is born, but to, to shepherds. Yes, through uh, angelic hosts, and they went to find Jesus, found him in Bethlehem, and then they went around witnessing to everybody what they had seen. What what did you find yeah. about that? Well, I always uh, knew that they were what considered the, the low rung of the ladder in society, yeah, the the Jewish society didn't rank them very high in terms of uh, uh, of, of the society, but the one thing that I that I uh, underturned was uh, in the Talmud, they weren't allowed to be witnesses. Talmud is the what? Is the Jewish uh, law book? Yes. You know. Well, they were not even allowed into the temple proper because they were proper, considered yeah. unclean. Right, the crowd would part when they'd come to town. You made a point that struck me. I hadn't thought about that. But they were considered the the lowly because they were taking care of sheep. There was someone else out of the town of Bethlehem who was taking care of sheep, and God chose him to be king. Uh, Jesus himself. Well, no, before that. Oh, David. David. Yeah, you t- yes, the line of David comes out of Bethlehem, yes. Isn't that interesting? I never thought about that, that oh, yeah. here, David, uh, you know, and Samuel said, well, it must be one of the older brothers because they looked like kings. They were tall and such, and God kept saying, no, no, no. And then finally Samuel said to Jesse, do you have any other sons? Well, yeah, we got this David. He's taking care of sheep. <laughs> And so um, I I, I never thought about that, that God chooses a shepherd to be king of Israel. God chooses the shepherds to be some of the first to hear about the birth of Jesus. Yeah, he kind of turns things all upside down from what society thinks is who should be the witnesses and who should be listened to. God says, no, how about these guys? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I often make that point that you would think the Son of God is being born, 
that God would send a message to at least the high priest and his friends about that, but he doesn't. He sends it first to not even shepherds, but to Gentile wise men. Yes. I I often wonder and marvel at that, too, you know, that the wise men come to Jerusalem and the star disappears. And the minute they leave Jerusalem, the star reappears. Exactly. And then when they trick Herod, because of what the angel tells them, they don't return to Herod to tell him where they found Jesus. And then do you remember the number of years that Herod uh, goes to kill the little babies in Bethlehem? What is that, about 18 months to two years? Yes, yes, because the Bible says he did that on the basis of what the shepherds had told him when they had first seen the star. Star, yes. So that's why, you know, you got a lot of nativity scenes, and the shepherds are there, and the wise men are there. Well, (laughs) they didn't come for a year or two later. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a time differential, I I knew some pastors that refused to uh, put the wise men in with the manger scene in front of their church. I got a better true story than that. At Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, some of the students moved the wise men over to the swimming pool. (laughs) 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 Because they had heard from a professor that they all weren't there at the same time. And... It was a wealthy donor who had given the Christmas scene with everybody there, and they kind of got into some trouble for moving the wise men. <laughs> oh, that almost sounds like uh, up at the other seminary, uh, Concordia, up Fort in Fort Wayne. In Fort Wayne. Well, they wouldn't do it with the wise men, they would do it with the Luther statue. That on call day when the district president showed up, they would decorate the statue for them. Oh, really? Yeah. So what else did your class do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not admitting to anything. (laughs) Oh, I bet you are. They're still looking for those guys. Yep, they still are. What did Luther look like after they decorated him? Well, they would put a a giant S in in the front front where where he held the Bible up, and, and then they'd get some bed sheets painted in blue. Oh. And and yellow and black were were Emlyn, so you know Super Luther. Yes, wow. <laughs> Seminarians are terrible. But what are you going to do? You can't remove them. We need pastors. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh yeah. So uh, there are people who disagree with that whole shepherd story. Then, right? You know that uh, they were the dregs of society and therefore they weren't even allowed in the Jewish system to be uh, witnesses to cases. And yet God chose the lowly and, uh, to bring the message out first. That reminds me also uh, how Jesus lifted women up to a much higher standing. They weren't allowed to be witnesses in courts either. Uh, and mm. so it was kind of interesting that um, God says there's no di- distinction between male or female. Now, when he said that, 
he wasn't referring to what people are saying today, that you can choose whatever gender you want. He's saying in the area of salvation, salvation. a yes. male has no preeminence over a female. Both mm. are declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And he, he included also uh, Gentiles and Jews and also slave or free. All are equal before the throne of God. And all of that, as, as you talk about it, all comes out of the fact that he came to the shepherds first and told them the good news. Yes. Isn't that? Can you imagine that? that these shepherds became grandparents and they're telling their grandkids about, you'll never guess what happened on one night when I was watching the sheep. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, to, and, and in a sense, to interconnect that, you go back to the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth when when John the Baptist was born, yes. and he was called John. We're also told in the scriptures that everybody in the surrounding country country wondered what he would be and what, what would happen. You know, so you know you got John the Baptist being born, you got Christ being born, and people in the neighborhoods are all going, "What's what's happening here?" You know. Because Zachariah, when he names the child, the father always names the child. Normally, you would name it after yourself, Zachariah. Right. But instead, he named it John because that's what the angel Gabriel told him to say. Right. Right. Do you, do you have a third item? The third that, that I thought that we should take a look at is, is the message of, of the angels themselves. You know, uh, they they talk about uh, for to you is born this day in the city of David. It's a sign wrapped in swaddling clothes. And um, before they said, "I bring you good news of great joy, which should be for all your people." Yes, you know. In other words, peace uh, to all of mankind. And you know, those that kind of scoff at it said. There was already peace in the Roman world. Pox, they call it Pax Romano, in the peace of Rome. Yes. So, so why, what peace is this, this uh, Christ child bringing to the to the earth if we've already had the peace of the Roman Empire? But that peace included Israel being under slavery as well as other nations. So, what kind of peace is that when you're a slave to another? nation and they really don't understand the doctrine of the two kingdoms how does that fit in with the peace the angels are talking about well the peace they, they brought is between god and mankind and that of course is uh christ as as the savior because born to you this day in the city of david is a savior which is uh you know jesus christ who takes on the sins of all mankind doesn't make any difference what walk of life they're in, uh, gender, you, you name it. He, he dies for the sins of all mankind. Yeah, so what you do, you have a situation where there are two kingdoms, the temporal kingdom and the spiritual kingdom. And the peace kingdom, the yeah. angels are talking about is the spiritual kingdom where we now are at peace and God is now reconciled to human beings, God the Father, because of the death of his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for our salvation. Mm, yeah, well put. 
you know, uh, historians there again. But we're back to to that old term, historical faith. You know, where they they uh, the society looks at it as uh, well. We just see the peace that, that Rome itself brought, and it, as you pointed out, it was very lopsided. I mean, as I heard you talk about that, it reminds me of in Roman society. In Roman, there is a book written about uh, armies of the Caesars. Yes. And in it, it was kind of interesting that when they took over a foreign territory, they would allow them to them to to have their own army, which we saw with the Jewish temple guards, you know, in the time of Christ. Right. But when it came to war, guess who went into battle first? The Romans. Nope. They went oh, in second. oh, that's they right, sent, the people. They sent the, the foreign armies in first. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, let them get chewed up a little bit, and then they went in this, uh, second and took over the battle itself. So it was uh, the peace of Rome was was only good for, what, Roman citizens. That's why we need to keep this distinction. You mentioned it already between historic faith and saving faith. You can have people who believe the history of the Bible, that Jesus was crucified and uh, all the history, but have a totally different understanding of what it means to me or how it is applied to me. And unless you understand the forgiveness of sins coming out of that, then you've really missed the true purpose of why the history in the Bible is in there. Because what saving faith is, is believing the promises connected to that history, the right application and interpretation. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, yep. is that the Savior has come and has fulfilled all, all things under the... Uh, under the, the cross for us. Yes, the fact that God first went not to the priests of that day, but to unclean shepherds and horrible Gentiles, namely the wise men, because they were Gentiles, shows what Galatians says. There's no distinction now between male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free, when it comes to salvation that Jesus Christ has brought to us. Right. You know, so this year, when we sent out our family Christmas letter, we generally had a manger scene. This year, we we substituted it. We put it in the cross itself. Oh, yes. And that's what, that's what Christmas is all about. Yes. Yeah, that's why the symbol of the Christian is, is the cross. Uh, imagine if he had been shot in our day or hung, then we would be wearing... Uh, uh, a gallows rope or a rifle around our neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bring up something that would be very objectionable at the time of, of Christ and shortly after because oh, yes. uh, crucifixions were, were, were done that way, were very cruel methods of dying. But yet for us, we know it's a method of, of salvation that God has for all mankind. Well, as we end our last broadcast with you for 2019, I want to thank you for being uh, uh, available uh, most of the times, except when you had other assignments. And so I'm looking forward to continuing this next year. 
and uh, we'll have an opportunity probably, let's see, seven, eight, the 9th of January, we'll be back with Rumination Thursday. Well, it's, en- it's enjoyable to be with you, and as I mentioned to you the other day on phone, we're picking up new listeners uh, in the Springfield area. They keep coming up and asking me how they can listen to KFUO and hear us on Thursday, but they said they're busy, and then I point them to the archives, that, uh, and as well as uh, KFUO has many other programs that they can listen to, too, as well, and hear the good news of Jesus. Well, you have a blessed Christmas, and we'll look forward to talking to you again in the new year. Okay, Wes? All right. Merry Christmas to you, too. God bless. And that's Wes Reimnitz. I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel, Open Mic Friday. Weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.